and welcome to No Stairway, a podcast about middle-aged men making mixtapes. In each episode, we take a theme chosen at random and using the musical knowledge and playlisting skills perfected by playing all albums backwards, we curate playlists for each other and you, the listener, to enjoy. We meet here on the podcast to discuss our selections, rubbish each other's questionable taste, and add tracks to the ever-expanding Golden Shuffle, our attempt at creating the greatest shuffle list of all time. This is the playlist of the best selections from each episode, according to us, the No Stairway crew, and surely better than anything that the big tech mech pests over at Spotify could algorithm up. The rules of No Stairway are very simple. Rule number one, all playlists should be of album length, which are just to be 20 songs or 80 minutes, whichever comes first. Rule number two, no artist can be repeated in a playlist. Rule number three, there is no stairway to heaven. As usual, all three of our playlists for this week are on Spotify and you can find links in the episode description or on our website at nostairwaypodcast.com. My name is Tim, and I'm a middle-aged man who makes mixtapes. Hello, my name is Bill, and I'm a middle-aged man who is considering a bulk-cut haircut, but his hairline says no. Hello, my name is Carl, and I'm a middle-aged man who looks like he enjoys mead, which I do, despite the fact I hate honey. Season 2, Episode 7 is another special episode, a Beatles special. Everyone has a favourite beetle, and my personal favourite is the ladybird, a voracious predator and snappy dresser. Far better than Tomophagus the Beatles, a silly name if ever I heard one. I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about. But first, here's Carl with the mailbag. Right, yeah. Oh, I, I saw another news item the other day that I meant to say we should mention, and I've bloody forgotten what it was. Oh, it, Middle-aged man forgets something. Yeah. It'll, it'll maybe come back to me. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let's have a look in the mailbag, which I've singularly forgotten to get up while we're fanning about. Here we go. Is there anything in it to save me? Uh, I didn't put anything. <laughs> I know David put in about, he put in um, a Four Seasons playlist. Uh, four Seasons. What's he got? He's got Meatloaf. You took the words right out of my mouth. Hmm. What's the uh, what season is that? It's on a on a on a hot summer night. Is the opening line yeah. of uh, the... of me? Oh yeah, yeah. There, there we go. go. Then yeah, our summer kills the sun. Hazy shade of winter. Um, he's got Smoko by the Chats. I don't know that one. Don't know that but, at all. Oh, what I like when when you look at the uh, date added when you're looking at the the laptop version of mm. Spotify, you can really see the the thought process, can't you? So they went on pretty early days. The meatloaf went on really late. So um, he was he, he he had he knew his skunk and Nancy straight away. That was the first thing that came to him. Um yeah, but then, then he had to think about the meatloaf. Um he's got some Black Sabbath. He's got um another um early Mannix. I've got some early Manics mm. this week as well. You can't beat those first three albums. Um, uh, we've got Doves, Blinda Carlisle, Summer Rain. Mm. 
big that's our one too big isn't choice it? yeah and and they were all on from the get-go then justin haywood uh forever autumn so that's the same as you bill you had that didn't you but you had yeah, the uh yeah, I did, yeah. the uh the thingy version and the and the eyes brothers oh yeah had that oh yeah yeah he's got that um, california dreaming that's the obvious one that none of us went for yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. yeah, but I, I kind of stayed away from it because I'd used it on uh, covers, yeah, the covers yeah. uh, playlist. Somewhere in the yeah. city, He's got the that one, idea. same I, as yeah, yours. Moving Spoonful as well. Bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's three. That's three, Bill. Um, Here Comes the Sun and by then, the Beatles. By the Beatles. Topical. I wonder why none of, it, none of us none of us went Don't for like that. Don't like it. One of the better Beatles songs. Oh, right, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, then, yeah, some Nick Drake, Pink Moon, you can't beat that. Uh, And then the doors, and he finishes on a seven-minute David Gilmore track that I'm not. Yeah, apparently he hummed an ard on on which version to put on. Summer evening birds are called. Summer's thunder time of year. The sound of music in my ears. Mention summer. Wow, there's a lot of summer. I didn't see any spring. in there. Mm, I I can't. Must be. Must be hidden. Don't know. Must be hidden. Maybe. Yeah. The Rain Song by Led Zeppelin. Does that mention spring? Maybe. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of summer lot in of there. Summer. But I suppose that, yeah, yeah. that that's uh, something we uh, we did comment on, didn't we? We did we did talk about that. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. Yeah. No, the rain song. It is the springtime of my loving. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I think that might be it for the spring. Uh, and there's only one, there's one autumn, and there's a couple of winters, but yeah, predominantly summer. Maybe that's... Okay, that's global warming, though. That's global maybe it's just warming. Dave's always, he lives in Australia as well, I just oh, imagine. Oh, well, it's, it's always, it's always summer there anyway, so that makes Fair sense. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm, very good. But uh, apart from that, and the news item that I can't remember, um, that is it from uh, for the mailbag this week. <laughs> Right then, this week we've got The Beatles. Um, how did everyone find it this week? Difficult? Easy? Interesting. Um, interesting. Both. Like you, the, yeah, yeah, really interesting. Lots of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. As somebody who um, really is getting, getting their teeth into The Beatles quite a lot now, and uh, something that I didn't do when I was younger, I'm actually kind of relishing digging into it and looking at the history that I'll talk about it more when I go through my playlist. Uh, but I found it both really interesting, really enjoyable, but also very hard because there's so much there that you could use. that it just became really fucking difficult and w- which order to put it in and how to then create that and so on and so forth. Uh, but it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. How about you, Tim? Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. I enjoyed it from a, you know, a, sort of discovery perspective, I suppose. Um, You're another latecomer to the Beatles. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know the Beatles, obviously. I've played lots of Beatles, played Beatles in bands and things like that. And I think that's why I don't like them. It's the same way I'm not a big fan of musicals, you know, because I was in musicals at school. Um, Don't like that. And um, played a lot of Beatles and Oasis stuff in bands when I was in sixth form because you know there there is 
Yeah, They're easy the same to play. With, with the Beatles, I kind of wrote them off because of, yeah, I, I wrote them off because of all the brass band yeah. arrangements that I played of it when I was a kid. I just wrote, but it turns out that, and we've said it before, I just played all the shit, um, all the yeah, shit McCartney stuff. stuff. And yeah, and because of that, it was always the twee stuff, and it was just like the Beatles shit. So when I got to like the age of 12, I was like, not interested. So I'd just hear all the shit stuff on Radio 2 in the 80s and uh, all the brass band versions of Obla D, Obla fucking da. And I'd just written them off. I think that's the problem. I my I think my first introduction to the Beatles was that Yellow Submarine film that was always yeah. on television in the in the mid-80s. So, you know, I just remember like every summer they'd put that on as if that was children's entertainment when it wasn't. And there's yeah. all these blue it's, meanies and all that. It's that's, fucking weird as well. It's weird. Yeah. And it's and I just remember thinking the Beatles were stupid because of that. Yeah. And and you know Although I, I do show that that film to my year sevens. Oh really? Yeah, they love it. Oh right. I, I did not love it. Well maybe I was too no. young. But they've never seen but they've never seen it before either. Right, yeah. yeah. So got yeah. done to death. But you're right, Yellow Submarine, Obladi Oblada, um, all that sort of daft twee stuff. Sort of, mm. it, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because they're they're actually like a super serious band when when you dig down, but they yes. did all this really sort of like comedy. Their films are comedies and stuff yeah. like that. They're like a, they're, yes. they're almost like a comedy band, but but then they actually get quite. Some of their songs are really quite sinister, and I think um, it's it's weird now to think it would be like if if Radiohead did a, a slapstick comedy film and then a load of songs about dogs to accompany it. And and mm. that everyone would just take that as oh yeah that's normal that's what they do it was that sort of yeah that's what the Beatles are they're just bizarre that's what they're doing now they're doing that um, I think also one of my problems was because um, because Noel Gallagher had ripped off so many Beatles riffs and songs yeah because mm. I really didn't like Oasis. I've, uh, you know, I started to dislike the Beatles sort of by proxy, I suppose. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, no, I, I can get that. I still, you know, don't like Paul McCartney. No, I think... That's pretty evident. I, th- I think he's he's the shitter side yeah, of the Beatles, absolutely. isn't he? And, of course, this year we've had the big... I mean, I think all three of us have got probably a pretty low tolerance for Paul McCartney, but then this year it's been like McCartney fest, yeah. hasn't it? So we kind of really yeah. rammed down. But yeah. Especially post, uh, just pre and definitely post Glastonbury. Yeah. Yeah. It all just went, you know, uh, through the roof. And I think there are now people who could be forgiven. Although I think like in, in the, in the nineties, maybe, uh, it sort of started and stopped with John Lennon. Like John Lennon was everybody's poster boy, wasn't it? And it was it was mm. okay to like the Beatles as long as it was a John Lennon song. Yeah, but if, right. if, if it was a George Harrison song, it's like, oh, that's that's just crap. Normal Beatles, not this sort of this more pained and serious um, songwriter who has gone down. You know, so. Um, but I think that's been that's so that was a product of his time as mm. well. And now, I yes. think Paul McCartney's the in Beatle when everybody knows. Um, Ringo, it's Ringo, Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> right? Cool. Shall we start? Uh, Tim, you're up first. My playlist is called No Paul. Uh, it's a pun on no ball, but the um, idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> of no Paul is there is no Paul McCartney singing at all. They're all Paul McCartney songs, but sung by other people, which I'm sure you'll agree makes every Paul McCartney song infinitely better. Okay? You know, who can not forget the national shame after such a spectacular 2012 Olympics when the leather-faced lesbian that is Paul McCartney stood up on that big platform and murdered every single song uh, that they'd written and um, <clears throat> led a load of Loughborough alumni in choruses of Hey Jude. Hey Jude, yeah. I which hey always Jude. goes on too long. That one went on about 20 minutes longer than Exactly. Normal. It's too still much. happening, it's still going on. It's still happening. <laughs> Ten yeah. years later. So my, uh, my, my aim of this playlist was to celebrate the songwriting of Paul McCartney which no one, you know, like we can't take a, we can't take it away from the guy. His songwriting's uh, almost as good as his uh, dead wife's vegetarian mince. So very good. I start off with "Get Back," back spelled B A Q U E by Star Shooter. That's a lovely little punky number to get everything. St- everything started then i've got uh maybe i'm amazed by carlene anderson when i was looking I, I, obviously i don't know anything about paul mccartney's solo work apart from the frog chorus i think he did that you know but this is i, I did a bit of research what 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 are Paul McCartney's best solo songs? And everybody said that this is good. And it is a it, and it is a good song. She sings it much better because she can sing. Then Band on the Run. I've always enjoyed the song of Band on the Run, but hated uh two things about it. The the silly reggae bit, which he also does in um Live and Let Die. It as does, well. yeah. And I've you know, why does wondered he, about that. Why yeah. does he do that? Sort of like they're both you know, they're not necessary. Well, anyway, Richie Haven's version of Band on the Run completely reimagines the whole song and gets rid of that stupid reggae bullshit. So, you know, that's a winner and it's better. Got to Get You Into My Life by Earth, Wind and Fire. Nice bit of disco. But oh, but more importantly, I think there's a tendency, there's a lot of Beatles covers out there. Like everybody has got a Beatles cover somewhere they don't tend to do much different with them. You know, it's pretty much, it stays pretty true to the original source material. And I do think um, it's always more interesting listening to a a different interpretation of a song when you cover it. Uh, So Earth, Wind and Fire, you know, it's, it's, Funkier, it's jazzier, it's you know, it's just better, basically. Temporary secretary, this was another one. Apparently, you know, this is um, Paul McCartney bought a synthesizer, so he came up with this sort of like very rudimentary, basic arpeggio, you know, because he didn't know what he was doing, and then he probably put it in the back of the cupboard and never used it again. So that one's on there. That's the Robert Walters twentieth. Congress. Blackbird Singing by the Paragons is obviously uh, 
Blackbird. I think you had that bill. It was actually yeah, the yeah, only. Yeah. It was actually the only sort of similarity, wasn't it, between the three playlists? It was the only song in common. Uh, I don't yeah, think yeah. there was any other ones. I think I think so. When I was listening through them again today, I noticed that that was the only one that sort of. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, no, uh, we, we, me and you, Tim, had Guns N' Roses. Oh, oh of course, right. yes, that's there's right. that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then we go on a paper, paperback writer by Saxon. And I think, you know, one of the reasons as well why I didn't like the Beatles was because I was, I was into sort of like a lot of metal at the time, not knowing that obviously everybody that was into metal in a metal band was influenced by the Beatles mm. you know and we talked about this with um, you know She's So Heavy and, and Helter Skelter those are heavy songs and anyone listening to that think right I'm going to do this um, so Saxon have got like a influences album and it's off that and, and it's it's a it's a pretty good um, pretty good tune uh, pretty good cover, straightforward, does, you know, just pays respects, basically. Uh, Let It Be, it's a bit of a reworking, you know, it's Ike Turner with his massive ego turning up and basically changing the words slightly to Let It Be. But, you know, it hasn't got Paul in it, so that's good. A Day in the Life, probably my hands-down favourite Beatles track ever, you know, I think it's genius, but again, it's ruined by that shit bit in the middle with Paul McCartney. You know, it's rubbish. And uh, luckily, the Flaming Lips got Miley Cyrus in to do the middle bit, and she's far better, far better than uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, Quantic then come in with... The Wings track, 1985. Bill, believe you went with the original version. Yes, yes. Um, That is better because there's no singing in it. Whatsoever. No, it's the full instrumental, yeah, yeah. Full instrumental. And, you know, it's 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 a nice little thing. Uh, then I've got Lucky Chops, bit of sort of like brass band, Helter Skelter version there. And then we just sort of like chill it out with Oh Bloody by Herbie Mann which is a nice bit of jazz, flutes, bullshit, basically. Um, and that goes on. There's Hey There and Everywhere by Emmylou Harris. She's got a fantastic voice. I don't think she gets, you know, mentioned enough, really. Well, you know, one of the country greats. Yesterday by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Um, completely different to the original. Long and Winding Road. That, again... Another interpretation of it by uh, Aretha Franklin. This was probably my favourite cover is Eleanor Rigby by a band called Scary Pockets. They do quite a lot of covers and things like that, and I really, I really like that one. Got Guns N' Roses with Live and Let Die. Again, we talked about the reggae bit. It's rubbish, but it's it's passable when uh, they do it. Then Jet by Shonen Knife. They're some sort of J-pop band. Hey Jude, Elvis Presley. Um, it's the king. You know, what's the good to say? And to be honest, the na 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 bits at the end don't go on as long. 
you know, it's it's not a silly long song. Uh, and then I know that this final selection uh, caused a little bit of uh, annoyance with you two. I broke the rule and put Sandman by Beatallica, which Beatallica are a, um, a, I don't know how to describe them. They're a mashup band. And I just thought for sheer sort of like artistry, the beauty of combining Enter Sandman with Taxman had to be put in. I listened to some of the um, the Paul McCartney songs and they just weren't as good as this one. So um, that's why I had to put it in. It didn't feel right leaving it out. But that's at the end. So it's kind of like, a, you know, but I can, I, can, I can clarify it by... You know, saying, you know, Paul McCartney was an all right bassist and that's a pretty good bass line, you know. So, there you go. Right, Bill, what did you think? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I I know that Beatallica was cheeky, but it was a good track. It was. It is a good track, isn't it? Perfectly fine. I I let it through. I'm actually, I'll work backwards. Might as well. It'll seem to me. Elvis, you're right that it doesn't go on too long, but it, it's the fade out, and it, I, it must be in Elvis's producers because we talked about um, his fade out on a few other songs, haven't we? Where there's a lot of fade outs. There's like. loads of fade outs, and I think they just made the right decision just and faded out at the right time. But it is you can't go wrong with a bit of Elvis doing that. Um, Jet, there's no saving that fucking song. Is it doesn't matter. You could get the best musicians in the world, still going to be a bit of shit. That's Living a very like, faithful cover, actually. Is is you know that breaks the mold of the rest of the yeah, yeah. The, the playlist is quite faithful. Um, Live and Let Die. I was just assumed because it was a Bond song. Uh, that film is uh, the villains in Jamaica, and I just presumed it flipped to reggae as a piece of. I mean, we would call it appropriation now and just total, and it would just get written off instantly. And I just thought it was literally just there because Bond has to go fight some voodoo villain in Jamaica. Um, and uh, he still fucks it up, doesn't he? Do, does McCartney. Um, that Eleanor Rigby version is fucking brilliant. Uh, as, brilliant. As is Long and Winding Road. Brilliant. Lovely arrangement. In fact, you had you had a, a block of three where it was Smokey Robinson, Aretha, and then the Eleanor Rigby, where it was just these big, beautiful arrangements, some awesome harmonies there. Loved all three. Um, Obla D, Obla Da, again, it doesn't matter who's playing it. You can have the funkiest fucking flute in the world. It's still shit. It's there's a no, shit song, isn't there's it? No, there's no fucking saving it. But everybody's playing their hearts out, trying to essentially just use a single bucket to sort out the Titanic, it's still going to fucking sink. Um, enjoyed Helter Skelter. We've already confirmed that Quantic instrumental of 1985 is, it's lovely. But that's that's a really faithful um, cover as well. It essentially just plays everything as the recording is. It just totally ignores the singer completely. Yeah. Um, well, I think that does prove that what's better than someone else singing... Paul McCartney's words. Nobody. No one singing Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, because there's no saving it. There's no saving it. That flame. How did you choose? Because that that whole Flame and Lips album is all Beatles covers. Yeah. I was trying to find a decent cover of a Paul McCartney uh, song. 
No, of a day in the oh, life. All right, so had you got together a list of like definitive Paul McCartney songs and just well, gone with that? It started like that. I mean, obviously, I found I started off with just Beatles yes. songs to start off with, and then it merged into the Paul McCartney. Right. Um, and then it com- became completely about Paul McCartney. And then it became completely about Paul McCartney. But obviously, the problem with Paul McCartney. Is is singing and the bits that are clearly his bits, and that's you know a great song is ruined, ruined in the middle, <laughs> and then redeemed at the end. Okay, I got again you. by you know, so it was kind of like take trying to find a version that wasn't um, okay. I've got ruined you. by Paul McCartney, uh, but yeah, that that was good. Um, Ike and Tina, um, the horns in that, again, a great arrangement. Um, and then Saxon being Saxon, just do the Saxon stuff on Paperback Writer. I had the Paragons. Um, temporary Secretary is Doctor Who meets Funk. Quite liked it. Mm. Did its job. Yeah, it's um, just so basic, though. Like, the original version, if you listen to other stuff, yeah. like, he's a decent musician and everything like that, but he, he just couldn't be. He was just having a play, and he thought, right, I'll just get this thing going, get a, a arpeggiator going, you know, but, 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 you know, he didn't he even try. Going. Didn't even try with that. And then hasn't used it since. And then hasn't used it since. <laughs> um, got to get you into my life actually gets life into what is originally a bit of a dull song and actually but turns it around. Yeah. Uh, Band on the Run, that Richie Havens version is really fucking good, isn't it? It's yeah. so good. Maybe I'm amazed. The bass is definitely better than Paul's bass by a long shot. And I enjoyed the Get Back. Actually, you you arguably started and finished on Cheeky, cheeky Numbers. Um, yeah, because like Get Back ended- isn't really a cover. It's sort of... It's like a re- total reinterpretation. A reinterpretation. Like, and, a, and I really enjoyed it. And because you bookended on these cheeky, cheeky interpretations, um, I think it, re- it really worked. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. But I enjoyed all three playlists. I think we all did something, because we all yeah. did something totally different about the same subject matter, which was very, very specific this time. Because when we've done something, we've done, uh, we've had a broad, a broad picture to paint with. And and sometimes like four seasons, for example, we've all had little issues with everybody's playlist. Whereas all three, I think all three are fucking brilliant. I've enjoyed them quite a lot. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed putting this one together because I felt mm. like I was being very cheeky, you know. So I was like a you know, f- while I was doing it, I felt like a naughty boy, you know, doing talking at the back of the class. That's how I always feel. I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, that's my how, how is the, how is this going to wind them up? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed it as well. This one, I, I think. If I'll go backwards as well, I I do think the Sandman ruined an otherwise perfect playlist. Like you thought it was, I thought having a playlist of Beatles song, of Beatles covers that were all originally written by Paul McCartney was a brilliant idea, and then to have just at the end, oh and yeah, and, and just here's another thing. Just, just you know, you say you broke the rule, you broke my heart, man. That was like, <laughs> I was just, I couldn't believe it. Although, um, it, it it's obviously 
you say it's a good track. It's obviously garbage. It's it's it, you know it's done it's done as a joke, but as a musical joke, it's very funny. Um, it's genius. It's so clever that, that it gets that they've mashed it together. Sort of like that takes real sort of skill. It, it does absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It does take skill, but um, and also the impression of James Hetfield. Oh yeah, it's spot on. Perf- perfect. Yeah, it is, it is spot on. Yeah, no, it's perfect. And you know the opening lines. Let me tell you how it will be. Gonna grip your pillow tight, a lay. <laughs> You know, it's genius, yeah. genius. Very cle- it's very clever, but yeah, maybe not quite genius. Um, and any other playlist, I would have welcomed that. That was fantastic. But yeah, just because just because it didn't fit with the rest, it, it, it did upset me. Uh, Emmy Lou Harris. I thought I've always thought that was um, Paul McCartney's best song, Here, There, and Everywhere. And I think that's the best version I've ever heard. I wasn't aware of that version at all. And that is the best version of Paul McCartney's best song. I think. Um, and I, I even like the original version. Again, you know, I think I'm part of the same club as uh, you guys where I don't really like his voice. I don't really like the way he performs normally. And, like, even on the Beatles recordings, I'm just like, oh, God, can we not get this guy moved on? But um, but his version of Here, There and Everywhere is, you know, something special. Um, uh, but, yeah, she she destroys him there. Um, Herbie Mann, I've written down here, you know, can't polish a turd. <laughs> um, which I think is what what you said, Bill, isn't it? Yeah, I love the Helter Skelter. Thought that was great. I liked. I mean, I know uh, Ike Turner's a problematic person now, but um, I, every time we get an Ike and Tina Turner track on here, I absolutely love it. I mean, you know, the you know creep could play, right? So I love the Saxon. It was interesting what you said because um, I, I was the same. I was into metal, and particularly like I was into like you know uh, Saxon and Iron Maiden, and. It, to, you know, from my perspective as a you know a twelve year old boy, they were the anti Beatles. They were everything yeah. the Beatles you know were against. You know, um, and so it, in in my worldview, the the Beatles were my mum's favorite band, and they were there was nothing about them. But when you look back now, and you look at like say Sergeant Pepper. And then you think, well, that kind of theatricality is exactly what Iron Maiden and Saxon, you know, and Wolf Spain, it's what they were doing. Like, yeah. these people weren't Vikings, you know, they, they weren't bikers. They were, you know, they're just they're music nerds. You know, they're, they're all just, you know, guitar geeks. And so they, and they, they had to find some sort of theatricality. And I think that was, the Beatles were doing that, maybe not first, but they were certainly, you know, a prominent exponent. And I think that's what a lot of people took from them. They they put on yeah. this show, whether, whether it be like the, the bowl haircut or the Sergeant Pepper, or, you know, or the yellow submarine or, you know, um, or when they did all the, the, the hippie phase later, it was always something of an act. Right. And uh, I think that sort of, you know, particularly in that sort of um, that second wave, you know, of of British heavy metal, there was a lot of that theatrical influence, yeah, and, that sort yeah. of, and there was a lot of sort of, you know, the the sort of uh, the affectation of, you know, it was always very melodic, despite the fact it was it was it was trying to be an aggressive music. It really wasn't as aggressive as some heavier music before it had been, you know, in that sort of the early days of heavy metal were were more unlistenable, and they were a much more sort of song based type of music and i don't i don't think i appreciate that until you know, relatively recently you know and um, so you're right you know saxon you know it, if you'd have asked me when i was 12 you know 
who would Saxon put on their you know list of influences? I would never say the Beatles in a million years. But of course, now from my perspective, I'm like, well, yeah, of course the Beatles. You know, the, the same with Iron Maiden. You'd be like, yeah, the Beatles straight away. You know, there's a top influence. Actually, um, so, when because you're talking like solid, like early to mid '80s there. Then as we approach into like the probably ten years later, the early '90s, I think British uh, rock and metal bands were a little bit more obvious with that. They were. There were some very, very uh, definite parallels with what they of the style of songwriter and the way that they performed. Even though it was obviously rock and metal, it just mm. I think probably that that wave of of British heavy metal in the eighties were were more maybe punk influenced, and you it wasn't necessarily as obvious as what it would have been ten years later. No, that's right. I mean, when you get to someone like um, Nirvana. And he, they, they they turn around straight off and say, yeah, the Beatles are amazing. You know, Kurt Cobain was always a very vocal proponent of, um, you know, of the Beatles. And he sort of almost made the Beatles cool. You know, at the time, you know, in, in the mid-90s, you were like, oh, well, if Kurt Cobain likes the Beatles, maybe they're all right. We seem stupid, you know, to think back yeah. that, that, you know, there was a time when the Beatles weren't cool. You know, they weren't, no one considered it, well, the kids didn't consider it good music. And it wasn't until... I mean, you know, we can slag off Noel Gallagher, but no, you know, Paul McCartney owes Noel Gallagher a, a fortune because he's ne- he's never stopped banging on about, mm. you know, how much he likes him. In fact, now I think Paul McCartney would probably want Noel Gallagher to shut up because he's probably ruining his street cred now, right? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> Noel Gallagher's turned himself into a bit of an arse. Um, so yeah, it's funny how these things go. But uh, that particular version of Paperback Writer, I think the interesting thing is. It seems faithful, um, but it's it's that is a is a metal track. Yeah. Mm. And when the Beatles did it, it wasn't a metal track, but it's just literally the guys from Saxon playing it straight. And it's just interesting that yeah, there was I always that is, harder edge there. Yeah, it's always you know? got that edge of that that guitar led riff. Yeah. And actually, all, yeah. all it is is they've just put the distortion on, but it's still the same riff. Yeah. The, the I mean, one of my things with the you know I thought with this list. When I was doing it, I was I really was trying to avoid Beatles covers because I've always thought the you know everyone covers the Beatles and no one does it quite as well as the Beatles do it because you know it's a bit like um, it's a bit like going up to Mike Tyson and saying oh you know I love you Mike but you know what you could do is punch a bit harder do you know what I mean it's like if there was a way to do it well the Beatles would have done it you know I think they put so much effort into particularly like the production side of things like the instrumentation was probably. Although obviously a product of its time, it's probably pretty much perfect, you know. And if you were gonna do, you know, the arrangement was pretty much sorted. They, they you know, they they'd done it the best possible way. They'd got everything out of the song, you know. And I've always thought that, you know, lots of people will, you know, talk about, oh, it's the songwriting. You look at a lot of the songs; they're pretty simple. But yeah. what they did is they they squeezed every every ounce of potential out of all of the songs, you know, so they always sort of nailed it. Something like Taxman, you know, I mean, a lot of their lyrics are very simplistic, you know, mm. but they arranged it and they they got something out of it. Every little idea was sort of perfected. Well, so you I look thought, at She's So Heavy, it's literally a verse with, I mean, you probably, in any yeah. other song, if that's what, if that's what, if you wrote, sat down and said, right, there's my lyrics, like, there's yeah. six lines here, fellas. This is the right, song. Yeah. And actually, yeah, yeah. because it's been... Because it's been produced and it's been written around something that's very meaningful, it doesn't need to be anything else. Yeah, 
And of course, they they have the studio time as well. You can imagine you're sat in Abbey Road for six months of the year. You know, you've mm. got the time to play things over and over again and find all those, you know, those little, you know, the riffs, find the bass line, you know, mess around with arrangements. And so they, you know, they had time to do things that maybe other bands didn't. They had that. They had that relationship, didn't they, with with George George Martin? Mm. And I That's think right, he yeah. deserves a lot of the credit here. You know, because yeah. I, you know, they, they recently found some of his sort of solo work, haven't they? Recently, which I nearly, you know, I, I had on a long list. Yeah, I listened to that as well. <clears throat> Ray Cathode, he, you know, he, he just mm. he just released that and put it together just to sort of show off, uh, just to show off, you know, electronic music, basically. Mm. Mm. And it's brilliant. It's pretty, you know, pretty good stuff. So he, he was like, he was at the cutting edge, really, of production at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like you say, instrumental in the whole, it, not just, you know, in the sort of the, the capturing of the sound, but, you know, mm. manipulating it afterwards as well. Um, however, having said that, and, and I had that opinion uh, until this playlist when I heard the Paragons and I thought, oh, no, that is better. Yeah, like miles better than the way the Beatles did it, and the Beatles should have done it straight reggae. <laughs> I don't suppose would have gone well, down. Those harmonies in there are just fucking excellent. Yeah, yeah. And the, there's uh, they, uh, there's some harmonies which they probably wouldn't have used between between the vocalists. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have used that just the way it clashes at some point. That's really right, yeah. good. And and then you know compare and contrast to something like uh, the Earth, Wind, and Fire, which I think is a really good version. I think that's great. But then I think back, is it better than the Beatles version? I really like the Beatles version of that track, even though maybe the, um, you know, the uh, the fidelity of the recording is maybe, you know, not perfect because of when it was recorded and what they were trying to do, that sort of, you know, still using four tracks or whatever, you know, to sort of and having to bounce down all the different uh, layers yeah. to get all the brass sound and everything. And so they were constrained in in, in that way. Um but is it is it a better arrangement? I don't know. I don't know. That's one of those tracks I've always thought, uh, why would you bother? You know, I always think when I listen to a Beatles group, I'm like, why, why bother? Just, you know, just just leave it, guys, because you're never going to be, you know, what George Martin could arrange But um, until the Paragons blew him away, obviously. Um, but then, you know, the, the Richie Havens, I mean, that's I think it's still true of the Beatles for the most part. It's not true of Paul McCartney's work because uh, Richie Havens and um, uh, Carlene Anderson just blew his back end away, didn't they? They were just, they, you know, they're, they're much better versions mm. um, of his tracks um, than um, than Wings ever managed. Um, I, I think he's maybe maybe I'm amazed. Is that a Wings track or is that Paul McCartney's solo? Ooh. It was um, it was off his first solo album, right? Is Paul McCartney? He, yeah, so he um, he wrote it. I think. It was basically the first solo album. The Beatles had just split up. I think everyone hated him because right. he broke up the Beatles. It wasn't. It wasn't Yoko. It was Paul. It was him um, being unreasonable. Yeah. It was him being unreasonable, and it's about uh, Linda McCartney, isn't it? Right. She always seemed quite nice. Yeah, she did. You know, I remember her from the adverts. Yeah, the fake meets fantastic. Mm. Decent photographer as well. Yeah. Um, all Paul had was his bass. She she she's a double threat. He's just a bass player. So. And she could play keys, of course, in, in wings. 
Yeah. Triple yeah. threat. She, she, was, she was, she was, she was like, she was a polymath, really, wasn't yeah. she? She could do it all. And all the kind like. And Bill, you're up. Did, did you have a title for yours? Uh, I called it The Beatles and Ringo. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, which Poor I Ringo. think, actually, on um, on reflection, is, is both glorifying the man because he's the one, the only Ringo star. True. Um, and I do want to bring it up actually a little bit later on about um, his solo career. It was wild. Yeah, so I went into full musicology mode. I really wanted to study this, dig into it, real, really get to grips with why they were so fucking good and really why, why they were maligned. And I think kind of a lot of Tim's playlist probably showed that some of the songwriting was wasn't just as good as it could have been or the arrangements around it were awesome but actually obladi obladow was fucking shites and the rest <laughs> um and it and i wanted to kind of separate myself from my younger experiences with the beatles and just get to grips with um the, the big stuff the reasons so i started to dig through it i i sat in bed under the weather and just started reading um the going through the internet using uh the wikipedia that carl talked about the other week oh yeah in uh, and other in Carter. yeah online in Carter and and other such websites people have fucking written all kinds of stuff um on one side and spotify on the other and just starting to build up all these lists and dig into it and then once i kind of got this huge list together um i then was thinking about an order and I just went, fuck this. I'm just going to put it in chronological, the order when it happens. So I can literally see um, the development and, and also the undoing. Um, so I just found it really interesting. I found the whole process just absolutely fascinating. And I think I did the majority of it in a few hours, just because I just got that entrenched with it. I just started just building it and it was brilliant. I loved it. So I, I start off with Chuck Berry. And uh, Chuck Berry's one of their was one of their favourites. Um, I mean, Chuck Berry's uh, music history is really interesting, anyway. Um, and there's uh, some footage on YouTube of um, uh, John Lennon, Yoko Ono, and their band at the time in the mid seventies playing um, with Chuck Berry, and they're playing I mean, on some American TV show, and they're playing um, Johnny Be Good. Oh, from Back and to the Future. Back to the Future. They're playing really by Be- Marvin Berry. Yeah, yeah. This is your cousin. Yeah. Um, and they play it. And whoever and Yoko starts to sing some Ooh. vocals with it. And whoever is engineering that live performance just fucking fades her out instantly. <laughs> just li- you can hear it being turned down. Um, but the rest of the band are having a whale of a time. But I wanted to start with Chuck Berry because he was a big influence for a lot of the the skiffle. You know, people just learning, teaching themselves how to play guitar um, and just singing songs about their own experiences because that's what rock and roll really plain simply was about. And so this huge uh, surge of skiffle, uh, early 50s UK. And Chuck Berry always had this influence on the Beatles. Then I go into the Quarrymen. You can't really do this playlist without doing the Quarrymen. 
and I there's a few there's a handful of tracks on uh, Spotify which are interested in themselves. Their recording quality is dreadful, and that's why I went with an instrumental one because that's probably the best recording quality that I could find out of the ones that were there. Um, but I found that track really interesting <laughs> because it was it if it was ten years later and they were in Los Angeles, you'd say oh, it's a piece of surf rock mm. instantly. Just no messing. It's a surf rock band. So it's not. Well, I I thought I thought it was the shadows. Yeah, yeah, mm. which were which yeah. the influence there. Yeah, yeah, which were probably broadly a similar time, broadly speaking. I, it's I the 50s, aren't they? Sort of yeah, early yeah, 50s. Think, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just found it a really Mid interesting 50s. piece. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a really interesting piece. I really liked it. Um, and then the next track is by a chap called Arthur Smith. Um, uh, McCartney wanted to join. He even had done an audition. He played. Um, he wanted to, uh, Arthur Smith was um, known as Arthur Guitar Boogie Smith in, in Virtual mm. Commerce. Um, and McCartney just wanted to be in his band. He wanted to di- ditch the quarryman and be in. And imagine if it had got in, it had just totally changed everything. You'd have um, ruined Arthur Smith's band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next up, uh, Johnny Gentle with Milk from the Coconut. This was the band that the Beatles in there. Um, so 1960. In, um, so you've got McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison, Stuart Sutcliffe, and Tommy Moore. They were known as the Silver Beatles. And they toured with this guy, with Johnny Gentle, as, their, as his backing band. And this was a tour of Scotland, all the big hits. They did Perth. They did Glasgow. They did all the big places. And then, then they join up with, with Tony Sheridan, and they go to Hamburg. And they play on the Reaper Barn, and this was 61. And the Reaper Barn, I don't know if anybody's been. Uh, I've been a few times. My brother lives in Hamburg. And the Reaper Barn, um, daytime is just this lovely uh, tourist spot, and there's like a, a little statue of the Beatles, this outline thing, probably from about the 70s, and it's unremarkable and that's why it's remarkable and there's um all kinds of dodgy shops and at night time it gets seedy as hell and you can get all kinds of things from a number of different people it's an interesting town anyways hamburg full stop but they were with tony sheridan then in 61 then i did then dip into covers because obviously trying to find that one beatles song to go on your beatles playlist is a tough call. And because mm. I'm I'm in this timeline, I'm in this chronological order. So I wanted to find some tracks which were a little bit out there, something where they were a bit of an oddity, but also links with the Beatles. So Little Richard, they loved the Little Richard. And so I found um, his cover of I Saw a Stand in There. That bass, fucking way better than anything that McCartney played for starters. But the, just the whole, the whole performance is fantastic, but Little Richard was awesome. Um, then I do the same with the next track with the Joneses, massive bass number, huge soul track. Um, so I kind of dip into "She Loves You" again. That's that's a nice song. Originally, it's a nice song, but I think that plays on it really well. Then I look at one of the um, cast-offs from one of the Beatles lines up over to Pete Best. Casted My Spell, 1965, um, which was 
nice little number. It does its job. It it, it shows the 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 references and whatnot. I did try Stuart Sutcliffe track in there as well, but they're all shit. So I just left it, <laughs> moved on. It, it was too busy painting. It was too yeah, yeah. Oh god, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, but his his recorder stuff was dreadful. <clears throat> then. Hard Day's Night, as done by Count Basie. Count Basie is one of my favourite um, big band artists. Um, and he did a whole album in 66 called Basie's Beetle Bag. Uh, but this is a great swing arrangement, really nice number. Then Stevie Wonder, We Can Work It Out. What I don't get on this track, I like the song, I like the cover. But in the original, there's a bit where it's like in a bridge and it goes into 6-8. It does a quick time shift for about four bars. It does it a couple of times. Stevie Wonder just plays it straight all the way through. And it's like, Stevie Wonder is a better musician. He can do a time change. Why doesn't he do it? But it still works. Uh, then I go full Ponsory straight to Ravi Shankar. I find a 3 minute 24 second Ravi Shankar. It goes straight in. No messing. Um, then 1968 recording, Fats Domino, Lady Madonna. Brilliant arrangement. Baritone sax. Obviously, it's going to have tons of piano. It's it's uh, Fats Domino. You could argue it's a bit needless. It just does what it does. But the, it is fun. Uh, into Paragons, we've talked about that. That rock steady vocal. Fucking brilliant. Pre, pre-reggae, slap in the middle of Scar, rock steady. Awesome track. Um, then I hit the only actual Beatles song as performed by the Beatles, Dig a Pony. And I presume that you two are like, why the fuck has it put this weird middle of the album track in? Apparently, it's one of my favourite Beatles tracks. Really? It's I great. I love that track. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Um, it's the, apparently, from what I could read, it was the last recording of all four of them together in the studio. And I thought that was an important point. It was the last time I had for ages. I mean mine. I had it for ages yeah. and ages and ages. Uh, and that's going to be their last actual recording, but there's no John Lennon on it. So I, I ditched it. But that's a fucking great song as well. It's brilliant. But Dig a Pony made it simply because it was the last time that they were all together in the studio performing. And it's a great song. Um, then I go into four of their songs as solo artists. Just to finish it off, this is like the last chapter. Uh, John Lennon, Well, Well, Well. This is the first album after his shithouse Yoko Ono ones, which are all <laughs> dreadful. I don't know what the fuck was being taken. Um, everything and nothing. It was a, it was stark, but I, I enjoyed Well, Well, Well. Um, and that's another example of like a Beatles-style song of of the genre where you've got, six or seven lines made into this awesome rock song. Um, George Harrison, his 80, 80s albums are rough, very rough, almost like uh, the Dylan 80s albums where you're just like, what are you doing with your life? Um, but this one, What Is Life, is a Phil Spector produced. It's a great album, but I, I like that song specifically. Um Ringo Starr, here he is. Here we go. We come to it. Rack My Brain. It, the, this song is like the best of a bad bunch. A lot of his albums essentially sound like Chaz and Dave albums. 
they're just like rolling down the street. I'm a, I'm a just, I'm your plain average geezer. You're, you're not your Ringo style. You're a multimillionaire. You've got a gorgeous Bond girl wife and you've made a living doing a backbeat. Um, but there's something. Thomas the Tank Engine. Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. Um, but there's something charming about it. There is a charm and there's an honesty to the whole thing. Um, where you just happen, you, you just listen to it and you just smile. There's just something about it and you, it is charming. And I think it came up in another, oh no, it was, I think it was a Ringo Starr album where essentially they, they he recorded the whole album, but everybody else just helped. So, and it isn't just a reference to get by with a little help with my friends. He fucking did on one of the albums. He used a John Lennon song. He came in and sung on it and literally just got everybody in because everybody went, oh, Ringo, you might you might just scrape through. Oh, Sunshine, you know, give him a little little scruffy up his hair and go, go on, we can do this together, Carol, because you can't do it by yourself, but we can't help, help you. But, it's um, written and produced by um, George Harrison, apparently. That's right, yeah, yeah. There's like all the album, and I think was it on one of Carl's as well. It wasn't dissimilar where they'd they'd all just helped him, they'd all just done it. Yeah, that's a John Lennon song. Yeah, that's like a John it. Lennon song. Yeah, um, and it was just, and I think there's just something about Ringo Starr where it's just a bit cute. And I just kind of, he just gets through because you're just like, oh, Ringo is so cute. Well done. Like and a then, dog. Yeah, like a dog. <laughs> it uh, is a bit like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the, there's just a charm to it where you just think, oh, that's that's cute. Well done. And I then, tell you what, though. Yeah. He was the best actor. Yeah, he's the it, best. He's the best thing about help. Yeah, but also. Oh, that's true, actually. He he's really good in that. He has to be mm. a gormless bloke. Yeah. All he has to do. Not stretch. No, actually, what Either that or his method acting. Yeah. But when he when he looks at his most uncomfortable, it's when they're filming the the, the bits where he's drumming. <laughs> <laughs> like he seems completely at ease playing this comic character of Ringo mm. that has been written for him. Um, but when he's actually sat behind a drum kit. Yeah. He's, he, you know... Out of his depth. He's out of his depth. And then I finish on off on 1985 by Wings, Sir Paul McCartney. Because a re- this was like the first song on the playlist. Because I, I'd originally put it on the playlist of great songs by terrible artists. Oh. And because it, because of its, because of its timing and whatnot, it didn't make it on. It got kicked off quite late on. So I put it on the back burner by dropping it onto this. And it's always been on there because I think it's quite a good song. But the, but uh, Tim's track, the Quantic version, just shows how good of a song it is because the rest of the band are on top form. It's just obviously the, there's probably not a version ever that Paul would ever leave to kind of release just saying, you know, the rest of the wings were fucking awesome, but I've just made a right bollock of it. I don't know. Uh, but it's, I think it's a great song. I think it's a good number. I enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed the research. I enjoyed digging through and listening to all this other stuff and all these other versions and finding which was the last Beatle track ever performed, uh, recorded by all four of the the final lineup. I was it was a great journey. I really enjoyed it. What about the Wilburys? You missed off the Wilburys at the end. I missed off the Wilburys. Yeah, I did. Um, 
I think I managed just to get that in at the end. It was it was a last minute. De- I think it was a last minute decision because I had enough time. Oh, I dropped a track. That was it. I dropped a track to get, get the Wilburys on. on because they were on the radio. That was it. We were about to share, and it was on the radio last minute. I was like, "Fuck! I forgot the fucking Wilburys." There you go. Um, God so- intervened. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a divine. It was a moment of divine intervention. So I dropped a track, and I can't remember what it was, so I could just squeeze it in because I had twenty. I'm obviously well under on time because a lot of these early tracks are really short. Yeah, but I managed to. I had twenty. Always had twenty, but I don't remember what I binned to get the Wilburys on. But I just had to get it on because it's the Wilburys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was a bit. This was the school teacher bill, obviously in full yeah. flow, which I don't. I don't dislike. Obviously, um, always nice to see something done like an essay form. Yeah, but uh, and and I think I sort of I, I kind of knew where you were coming from. I think you know th- there were parts of it where I could see I've done similar things in the past where I'm like, well, I need this thing for an academic reason. I need this band or I need something featuring this guy, and I need a track from him that is under three minutes and you know fifteen seconds yeah. or whatever. We've all done and so, it. We've yeah, all done. and so you just end up with anything. Oh, you know, you, you know. If it, so I think things like the Quarry Men. Um, which was interesting. I'm not saying it didn't deserve to be there, but there's some things that are really high quality and some things they're That's there right. for an academic reason. The Pete Best, um, you know, I think he was very much cut from the same cloth as Ringo Starr, that he's probably pretty pretty lucky to have bumped into Paul McCartney one day, you know. And, you know, the, the Ravi Shankar, I'm sure Ravi Shankar's got some absolutely killer nine-minute jobs. Oh, no, no, but no we, like we nine just can't short. Enter- yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. We just can't entertain them. So I, 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 to- I totally get why you'd have to get one yeah, of the short My, my dad tells a story of going to see him in the 60s uh-huh. at Bradford St George's Hall. And he was still going and they had to get the last bus home and he was still going. And that was unheard <laughs> of. He's still, he's still going now. He <laughs> yeah, still sat yeah, in St George's Hall. It was like he was just, my dad, obviously, he says it's tongue in cheek, um, says it was like an hour and a half of him just chewing up. <laughs> Well, I can certainly see that. Yeah. Um, but but those things aside, because it is obviously a, uh, you know, in that kind of that essay form, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed a lot of it. The Count Basie, I thought, was was brilliant. Really captured that. Like you say, I mean, that's like a mid-60s album, right? So yeah. that is, um, like, at the same time, that would be that's like... right, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what it would be like. Would it be like the, the Chemical Brothers doing a load of... You know Miley Cyrus covers, yeah, but something, like that, something from also, slightly a while back. It also you know, that, seems that like it was the standard in in the fifties and sixties. It was the standard you would cover, and we've put loads of covers on loads of different yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was the standard that anybody would would put a load of covers on on an album of songs which were of the last couple of years. If yeah. somebody did that now, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" I, I tell you, I tell you what it's like. It's like Ryan Adams doing Taylor Swift. Like just did that album where he just covered the album, yeah. and that, at the time that was like, "What? That's that's mad." Yeah. But here's a guy like, it who was had a some sort of... in the fifties and sixties. It was regular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just Nobody a normal thing island. to do. But that, that is that is fantastic. I had to listen to some of that album as well. That's yeah, a brilliant, good, yeah. brilliant album. Yeah, um, that's tons of fun. Stevie Wonder did lots of um, Beatles covers as well, didn't he? That seemed to be a thing. And, and you're right. I don't think he was particularly 
thinking about the music there as much no. as he was just enjoying it. And he just seems right. to be yeah, like, yeah, let's just and whack actually, this the, one the out. The original you know? has, I think I only left it in just because I want to talk about why didn't he do that? Because he's a very good musician. Why yeah. didn't why didn't he do the time change? I think he was just riffing, right? He just yeah, I don't yeah. think he even thought about it for two seconds. Yeah. I think he was probably playing it from memory. He was like, Let, let's go, let's do let's it, go, you know. Yeah. Um, which and that comes across, it was great. And the Fats Domino as well, that Lady Madonna, I really enjoyed that. Even though, like you say, um, it's not widely different from the yeah. original. I mean, the, the piano line is like almost, you know, note perfect or whatever, just identical. Um, but yeah, that's thoroughly enjoyable. And yeah, the, we talked about the Paragons, that's fantastic. Mm. Um, but yeah, Digger Pony has like, always been one of my, I, I think... I really like Let It Be as an album. Like that—that that was the album that I think spoke to me when I was a kid, or when I was really getting into the Beatles. I suppose it, this is when I was sixteen. Like the Beatles became like insanely important to me for for eighteen months, and um, and and Dig a Pony. I've always thought was like this brilliant. And again, it's, it's the same school of Beatles song where it's like they've got back of the fag packet lyrics. You know, probably Paul's got one phrase, George has got another. Do you know what I mean? And they sort of just cobble it together. Yeah. And, you know, one person's got a verse, one person's got a chorus, and they just sort of do it. And um, and, and they make it work, you know. Even though I think that's probably the album where they they were least successful maybe in making those things work. There was yeah. lots of, you know, cl- clashing. The different songs do seem like they're made of, you know, disparate parts. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I thought it was it was, it was well to go. I didn't know it was the last recording where they were no, all together. No, 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 it took me a bit of hunting, yeah. And, you know, it, I think it leads in well to the, um, the that whole sort of group um, where there's a, a terrific John Lennon song that has got all the so – it, it's, it's like stereotypical John Lennon work of the period. Mm. It's basically calling um, Paul a knobhead. Yeah. <laughs> in some way, form or other. You know, he's just having a go at Paul. That's all he ever did with his songs, you know. And he probably wasted the best song he writing years of his life just coming up with new ways to call Paul McCartney a prick. Yeah. Um which you I mean, know, it did a beautiful fine. job of it. It did a beautiful job of it. Tim yeah. loves every second of it. <laughs> yeah. Um George yeah. Harrison the same. Like G- George Harrison, you know, I, I think like loads of people have uh, like um the, the some of the more poignant Beatles songs like um uh, like something in the way, mm. or uh, or here comes the sun. They're these like little, you know, sort of poignant songs, love songs, mm. um, and they're people's favorites. But in his solo work, he chooses to do the big pop numbers. Like yeah, he has all really the hooks. Strange, yeah, <laughs> yeah, all all of his sort of solo work. There's always a big lead sing mm. single, you know, whether you know My Sweet Lord or you know What Is Life. Mm. You know, they're, they're they're really awesome pop songs. And I don't know if that was him deliberately saying like. You know, anyone could write. You know, yeah. um, I saw a stand in there. That's you know, I'll I'll do you one of them, and and he does. You know, so um, I don't know. Um, Ringo, I mean, like you say, he's essentially a because it was the it was the all star band, wasn't it? Which yes. I think was more about his his name, but it was also the fact he was a bit like a celebrity charity, where no one wanted to see a Beatles starve to death. Yeah. And so, or like have an album that was essentially unlistenable. So everyone just sort of did what they could. And I think you're right. There is a charm to it. I mean, I'm looking right now at the album cover. Isn't he just gridding out the camera? He's he's holding a a bunch of red roses. That's and um, and and he's he's sort of done up like a sort of mid. Well, a late forties divorcee on on a first date, you know, like some sort of French crooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's what he thinks. That's what he thinks he that's is. That's what he thinks. He is. Yeah, 
It, it looks like someone Red on his fourth Man marriage. Green. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, yeah, it's it's a catchy song, though. You can't go wrong with it. No, it is a catchy song, quite right. But again, probably more George Harrison than Ringo Starr. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree that I know we're slagging off Paul McCartney for 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 comic effect um, a lot of the time. Tim isn't. Tim isn't. Um, I know Tim isn't, series. but I, I, th- I think we are. You know, and, and even Tim said, you know, he, he we know he can write um, he can write songs, he can play bass, and he, he can he can pick wives. His his, his wife could really cook uh, vegetarian food really rather well, and we all enjoy that now. Um, so there's something good about the guy. And I think that track, I mean, I think he's got, with, with Wings, he's maybe got four or five really, st- or maybe a solo work, he's got four or five really standout tracks that, that that sort of line up with anything he did with the Beatles. And and that's definitely got to be one of the one of the top two or three, really. I mean, um, like maybe I'm amazed, it's, it's another one, um, the Frog Chorus. Um, you know, there's this group of brilliant <laughs> songs he did, and so I'm not going to take. Away. I mean, I, I enjoyed the. Uh, were they called Quantic? Yes. Um, the the, other, the instrumental version. I really enjoyed that, and and that you're right. That did show why it's such a good. You know, or you know, it showed how good a song it was. But I think the original is just uh, superb. And yet, the, the Traveling Wilburys uh, again um, are a really interesting band because yeah. of their sort of circumstances and, and the, the reason they exist, which I think depending on who you believe, it was George Harrison essentially wanting to get Bob Dylan out of bed, like want, <laughs> wanted to get Bob Dylan writing songs again because George Harrison's a huge Bob Dylan fan. Yes. And so he he formed a band for that reason, but they they, they turned out to be a pretty decent band, you know, well, because obviously you've got Roy Orbison, George Harrison, Tom Petty and um, uh, who else in it? Um, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, Jeff Lynne. Yeah, Jeff Lynne. Um, you know, so not a bad set of songwriters there, so they're going to come up with something. But um, the fact that they were they were all sort of, um, you know, kind of past their best at the time, but they've got some cracking pop records. You know, they 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 were like in the charts, you know, properly mixing it with bona fide acts at the time. And, and it was essentially just a, just a, a holiday project for, for George Harrison. So I think that's, they're, they're always really interesting to listen to because they're actually, even though it's a load of old lads mucking about, it's actually <laughs> pretty impressive stuff. Um, so I think that was a well, and I totally forgot that George Harrison was in the Travelling Wilburys. That was uh, well-remembered, Bill. So yeah, no, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, aside from Pete Best, probably. Who he, he can sod off back into oblivion, but uh, the rest of it I thought was brilliant. Tim, what did you think? Well, I enjoyed the Pete Best. To be perfectly honest, I thought it wasn't it wasn't a bad a bad track. I got what Bill was doing uh, fairly early on. The Chuck Berry, obviously, that's an influence, and 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 a lot of these sort of songs at the beginning of your playlist. I remember watching. Uh, Backbeat mm. The Stuart Sutcliffe film And thinking it was a good film It probably isn't Probably isn't that I good I honestly haven't seen it since I'm about 16 But so I couldn't. I can't remember a minute of it I, I'm thinking about it now in my head And thinking well it's a bit cheesy Isn't it because it's There's that there's that uh, there's that line. Oh, it's what's called a hard day's night or whatever yeah. like that. You know, they were just whoever wrote the script was trying to cram as many sort mm. of like. It's a bit cack-handed. Yeah, yeah. It was but, the 90s, um, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I thought Ian Hart playing uh, John Lennon was great. A lot of those songs and a lot of those sort of like montages of them playing in Hamburg um, were in this playlist at the beginning. Um, but the Quarrymen, I tell you what, that reminds me of. I was I, I was saying about it being shadow esque. I've already said that, but it also reminds me of Neil Young's first band. The Squires, was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Squires. And yeah. uh, they've got a track called The Sultan, haven't they? Which was, which is quite Shadows, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a Shadows-inspired sort of song. Similar yeah. sort of thing. And you don't really think about the sort of, like, the Shadows being a really sort of, like, influential band. But I suppose, you know, if, if the Beatles yeah. and Neil Young were writing tunes... That sounded like the shadows. Yeah, that sounded like the shadows. Don't you know? Maybe, maybe we're missing something there. Well, it's a similar thing, isn't it? That we think of the Beatles as you know your, your mum and dad's band, or even your granddad's band. You know, and to me, like the shadows, that they're even you know more off the pulse. But at some stage, they must have been quite edgy. Yeah, you know the, the the shadows came on, and somebody's dad came in and said, "Turn this rubbish off. This is unlistenable." Yeah. You know, and we think of it as easy listening. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, at some stage, it wasn't. It was someone really pushing the the sonic boundaries. Yeah, on yeah, the radio, you know. But they hanked Marvin at the front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. And again, the um, the the raunchy. What is it? Raunchy uh, by Dwayne Eddy. Dwayne Eddy. You didn't mention him when you were doing your rundown, but mm. oh, that yeah, song, that it. song's brilliant. Mm. You missed that out. So I like that. The next thing, obviously, you've got sort of like you've got Little Richard, you've got Stevie Wonder, you've got Count Basie, you've got Fats Domino. Those are big names, mm. and like they're covering your songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that kind of tells you something, doesn't it? Oh yeah, especially yeah, yeah. especially because the likes of Little Richard and probably Fats Domino, they'd have been listening to those sort of like those sort of albums when they were kids, weren't they? You well, know, the, I, were the members of the Beatles. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They they loved them. You know, they're, they're in full circle. Yeah. Their influences and and you know, imagine the buzz you must have been sort of like in you, yeah. you know, you're in your you're in your late twenties probably, you know, when they're recording those songs, late twenties, early thirties. Well, it's, it's definitely when we're late twenties. How good is that? Just hearing that Little Richard and uh, Fats Domino have, reco- have covered one of your songs. Yeah, be, some of the some of the biggest names in music. Yeah, you'd be buzzing. You know, it's amazing. The Ravi Shankar, you know, I, I, I don't mind a bit of that. That's pretty good. That's great. Uh, the Beatles track, I can see, I can, I can understand where he did it. I'm, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of Digger Pony. It's not great. But the John Lennon track, he's not even trying, is he, with that song? Like, he's not even trying to write a song. But it's still brilliant, yeah. and it's still better than <laughs> all the tosh that follows it afterwards. You know, I wasn't a big fan of the George Harrison, the Ringo Starr. <sighs> Let's be honest. You know, <sighs> I. <sighs> He's cute. He is, He's but it's sort of like I think. It's, it's the dog that you don't want to put down. It's cute. I kind of wonder if, you know, George <laughs> yeah, Harrison. Yeah. 
<laughs> George Harrison <laughs> and um, and John Lennon are like just a bunch of bullies giving him these shit songs to play, thinking <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah. One for the Ringo pile. And he's hooking it over and saying, Ringo, Ringo, I've, I've got you a song. Here it is. Listen to this. The right bugger. And he's like, oh, brilliant. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And like, you know, are they just teasing him? Like, giving him all the shit? Or are they just... Or or is it just embarrassing to be in a band with Ringo? I think, you know, is that... Is that what it's all about? That's what I wanted to show with that, with the the whole (laughs) playlist, like... What the fuck happened? Because actually, you're right. Only the Lennon track is really good. Actually, the Paul McCartney song is fine. Like the band's yeah. better than the song, but yeah. but the George Harrison one, it it's passable. But it's the best of the bad bunch, and the Ringo Starr is just just proves the point, doesn't it? Just proves the whole point. That's why it's been this the longest running joke in music history. Yo, absolutely. And you know it. It it, oh gosh, I don't understand it really. But yeah, at at least (laughs) at least there's the traveling Wilburys there at the end. Um, But yeah, the the wings track, like 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 you say, it's good. It's a good song. Uh, It's all right. But um, Paul McCartney's on it, so it's it's a no from you. It's a no from me. Uh, but I enjoy, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the sort of like the journey, you know, the history of the Beatles, the influences of the Beatles. You know, it was almost like uh, listening to the Saxon uh, influence album. Mm. Um, you know, it was good. It, it, it was it was enjoyable. And it ends with end of the line, which I thought was particularly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's one of the good things about these playlists, actually, is that, you know, again, you know, we keep doing this. We get given a broad, a broad theme. Even, even this isn't really a broad theme. It's, it's probably the narrowest thing we've done, but three completely mm. different ideas and interpretations um, taken from there. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. This is the, the this is what the fun of playlisting is, isn't it? This is playlisting. <laughs> playlisting. That's a nice turn. I like. My playlist. First of all, I'd like to thank uh, Tim for the title. This season, I have been using a, a Bob Dylan pun. For all of my uh, album, my playlist titles, and uh, I was struggling. I was struggling this week, um, but Tim came up with Lucy under the red sky with diamonds, which I thought was particularly funny. So that's what we've got. Um, this was pressure, I think, for me because I am. I've never tried to hide the fact I'm a Beatles fan. Um, and then, um, you know, I'm in the middle of two uh, guys who don't have a lot of time for the Beatles. So I thought, well, I've got to come up with something. Re- I've got to really, you know, dig deep here and come out with all these, you know, these hidden gems um, that my sort of lifetime of appreciating the Beatles will have uh, sort of enabled me to sort of dig out. So I spent, I think, probably a month 
trying to decide which Beatles track I would put on. And I think I, I realised that the Beatles tracks I like are, are all of a certain type. They are the weird, the sort of weird rock. Like, so I don't like the twee stuff. I don't like the early stuff at all, to be honest. I don't. I appreciate it, but I don't really like it personally. And then I don't like, uh, um, you know, there's nothing from, like all the weird stuff on the White Album. I just think it's a waste, a waste of talent. Um, a lot of the stuff late on, I think it's a bit schmaltzy. You know, they've got all these sort of love songs and stuff to all these hideous women who ruined their careers. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't too happy about that. So I was, I was basically looking at, Things like uh, everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey, um, or happiness is a warm gun. Um, those are my sort of favorite. Or like you know, um, uh, uh, I want you. She's so heavy. Those kind of things. Those are the Beatles tracks I really like personally. So I made a decision, um, and it was basically because uh, the cover versions I found of this song were all. Uh, subpar. So this is this is the Beatles track that I wanted to include that I couldn't find a good enough um, cover version of. So that's everybody's got some to hide except for me and my monkey, which again is exactly the same as we've talked about. It's that um, you know they've got three lines written down. Um, they've got a riff that accompanies those three lines. That's it. Let's go. Do you know what I mean? Let's make that into a song. Um, it's one of those ones um, which I enjoy. Any excuse to get the Manic Street, the early Manics on, I take it. Um, uh, I think people listen to late Manics and, you know, justifiably just say, oh, well, they're rubbish. I'm not listening to them. The first three albums, maybe even maybe even the first, no, the, the maybe, yeah, no, the, the first album and the third album are brilliant and I love them. Um, so I stuck that in because that's yeah, got the revolution sample at the beginning. Billy Preston, the fifth Beatle, although probably the sixth Beatle, I guess, if we're counting in actual, he's probably the sixth Beatle. Billy Preston's got loads of brilliant, uh, like really fun, uh, dafty uh, records in the 70s um, and the 80s. Um, but that's just one that I that I enjoyed. Um, Jimi Hendrix was probably one of the first uh, I got into loads of stuff by listening to Jimi Hendrix. My dad's a big Jimi Hendrix fan. So not only like Rory Gallagher and things like that that we've talked about before, but like Bob Dylan, uh, the Rolling Stones um, and the Beatles. I just heard like uh, Jimi Hendrix do versions of their songs and then realised afterwards that they were Beatles songs. So I wanted to put that's like an autobiographical uh, edition that I remember hearing. The, the the Jimi Hendrix experience doing a uh, day tripper, which actually, I mean, Jimi Hendrix doesn't really sing very much on it. I think it's uh, it's Noel Redding, isn't it, doing the singing on that? But yeah, so I remember that. Um, then I've got a series of songs that I included because they mentioned the Beatles. So I thought, in terms of um, showing their sort of cultural influence, I wanted to get some songs that just happened to mention the Beatles or one of the Beatles. And there are about 10,000 songs that mention the Beatles. I think far more than any other artist in the history of the world. If you want a song that mentions the Beatles, you could pick, you know, one of umpteen dozen. And um, Frank Mills is one of them. It's actually from a musical. So it's a it's a, a double hit for Tim, obviously. Um, it mentions uh, George Harrison of the Beatles. It's from the musical Hair. But this is the Lemonheads version, which is nice. Um, then I've got uh, Guns N' Roses to sort of uh, tick the Paul McCartney cover uh, box. 
Um, and also, I actually do think that's a really good cover version. Like, I think that's probably definitive. It's a definitive recording now, right? That's that's the version you'd want to hear uh, yeah. rather than Wings. Um, similarly with, like, uh, Regina Spector, who's uh, uh, a singer I really like. Um, and that is – so Real Love, uh, if people remember, it was a – it's actually a John Lennon song, but then all the Beatles came back and played on in the 90s so they could make it into a single to uh, promote a, a Best of album they were doing at the time. So it became like – so it's actually now the last Beatles single, you know, but it was obviously 30 years – well, 25 years. All the anthology stuff. That's right. It was to promote yeah. the the anthology, and then the, like the number ones record came That's out right, the yeah. year after, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so it was it was to promote that. Um, but it's actually a, a really good song because obviously the, the original version it was like half a bit of Lennon singing, and you know they sort of spliced it all together, and you could hear that. You know, you could hear. That's what it was. She just sings it straight as a song. I think you see what a good song it is. Um, I've got a, probably a controversial, it's got a controversial title, but it's one of my favourite John Lennon songs, uh, Woman is the Nigger of the World. It's it, I never use the N-word. I would never dream of using it. Um, so just as a disclaimer, don't, don't go around using that word, people. Um, it's not cool. But I think John Lennon's trying to make a very political point there. Um, and I do agree completely with the sentiment of the song, which is about... Um, female equality um, and it's, it's a cracking song it's it's part of the so I love that John Lennon uh, period like the Lost Weekend stuff where I just imagined him getting you know shit faced with Elton John um, and David Bowie in New York and just you know <laughs> writing these sort of saxophone heavy rock songs I, re- I just I really love that whole period um, of his career um, and that's I think that's probably his best uh, or my favourite example of, of that kind of song then I've got another song that references the Beatles um, this um, ended up in there because I was listening to some monkeys because when Tim said he was really getting into the monkeys I was like well I don't really know any monkeys songs so if Tim's going to start maybe there's something in the monkeys it turns out they're mainly crap but they do have this um track which i really enjoyed which is about uh the beatles um they're referencing they they threw a party for the monkeys um which i found funny because the, the really the only thing i know about the monkeys is that they're marge simpson's favorite band and she she was ostracized at school because she had a monkey's uh, right. lunchbox that's right yeah and yeah, she, she thought yeah she thought they all wrote their own songs and then when she when she found out they didn't, she was heartbroken, and that's mm. sort of a, a yeah. whole sort of psyche. And the reason why she ended up with um, such a loser in Homer is because she had such a lack of her own sort of self worth, and it's because she 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 mistakenly thought the monkeys wrote their own songs like the Beatles did. So I, I found that particularly funny that the, the the Beatles threw a party for the monkeys, and the monkeys wrote a song about it. And here it is, um, which is actually quite a funny song. Then I've got, I'm ticking another box here. I'm ticking a box of a Beatle doing a cover of someone else, um, which I thought was something which actually there aren't very many. Um, and so, but this is particularly nice. So George Harrison did an album, um, which is just like a load of demos and covers and things, just him sort of messing around at home. And this is him doing a, a cover of a, of a Bob Dylan track, which is a really good Bob Dylan track. Um, and loads of people have covered it. My favourites, uh, the Rod Stewart cover, but like, you know, all the, all the more successful people have covered it and it's probably a better <laughs> version. I don't know. I like the Rod Stewart version, but uh, I think this is probably the best version of it. I think this is, it, it, this is sort of shows you that how much, I think George Harrison sings this as if he wrote it himself. Like he loves this song, you know, he really wanted to get it right. 
Um, and there's some if if you're a if you're a Bob Dylan uh, nerd, there's a really interesting. So one of the things in this song is he rhymes <coughs> mirror with near. Uh, in the original version, because Bob Dylan pr- pronounces mirror as mirror. So it rhymes with near. Then George Harrison in this version can't quite bring himself to do the mirror. So um, he rhymes mirror with there, <laughs> which is equally awkward, but it almost works in his accent. And then I've got a, a, a genuine uh, occurrence of, I think, a, a cover version being better than the original with the Beatles, where uh, the breeders doing happiness as a warm gun, which again is um, uh, three or four lines, you know, sort of shoved together in a song. Uh, from the White Album, I think. And I think it takes the breeders to come along and make it sound like a song. <laughs> the original just sounds like a few throwaway lines. Then I've got another song that just mentions the Beatles, um, which uh, I think I'm probably going to get a kick in for. I've been told uh, Kate, um, my wife, um, has been um, uh, saying that, um, you know, what's this got to do with the Beatles? And I was like, it quite clearly says, you know, um, in 1963, you know, there was a fella. I mean, it's it's a weird song anyway, but a fella starts preaching in the middle of the northern town, and those people sit down, and he starts talking about the Cold War and the Beatles. I, I don't know what it means, but anyway, it mentions the Beatles, so there we go. And I just thought, when else are we going to get a, a chance to put the Dream Academy on the playlist? <laughs> it was funny. And then I've got here we go, and this is this is this is one uh, a an actual Paul McCartney track um, from his latest album. With no Paul McCartney. Um, With no Paul McCartney in it. Well, he doesn't sing in it. So I thought that was particularly good. Um, It's actually not a bad record. I've listened to the whole album. But when when that one rocked up, I was like, bloody hell. We like Phoebe Bridges. You know, we've had several tracks with her. She's good. She sings it well. And I Mm. actually thought my Spotify was playing up because it played on. And, you know, it was playing. And I was like, well, this isn't Paul McCartney. And I was like, no, this is even better. This is Paul McCartney without Paul McCartney. Yeah, so that had to go in, and I think it's it's a pretty good song. I mean, you know, again, I know we're disparaging, but we we can all agree you can write a song. That's a good song. Another track that just happens to reference the Beatles, uh, "Badly Drawn Boy." I've always thought that was just a really funny song about him being, you know, having a dream about living next door to Madonna, but not um, being able to uh, sort of return her affections because he's still in love with with his actual real life wife, which I thought was quite a sweet sentiment. Mm. Uh, but he just mentions. Um, the night that John Lennon died in it. So I had several tracks that mentioned the night that John Lennon died. And that was the one that I thought was the most upbeat. Then I've got, this is the real centerpiece. This this was what the the whole playlist was leading towards, which is the Sugarcane Harris 10 minute cover version of Eleanor Rigby, that famous 90 second song. (laughs) Um, which I I think is worth it just for um, jazz fiddle. There's lots of jazz fiddle in it all the way through. And uh, so, you know, stick it in. Um, I mean, if if you don't like that, uh, I can't help you. you I mean, you're not really alive. Then I've got got a cover version of a John Lennon song, a really good John Lennon song, um, but I'd already put a John Lennon song in. And so I either wanted um, Woman is the Nigger of the World or I'm Losing You. Couldn't have both, obviously, and I couldn't find a cover of Woman is the Nigger of the World. So, uh, And Co- uh, Corinne uh, Bailey Ray is um, uh, good. I think she's she's an all-round good egg. So I was happy to include that one. Um, King of Rock by Run DMC. It's just a bit of a uh, difference. You know, everything's a bit sounding all a bit rock and singer-songwriter-ish, and I wanted something else. Um, and they mentioned the Beatles in that track, so... 
um that was one of those lyric search you know you go to the lyric search you just type beatles into the lyric search and you have to go through all the beatles tracks before you actually find them it's just a word of beatles. uh but that's good um a cover of what we agreed was uh, a few episodes ago the greatest beatles track i want you she's so heavy but this by sarah vaughan uh jazz heavyweight uh which i thought was uh, a pretty cool version actually as far as these yeah. go mm-hmm. Um, Betty Lovett, another um, artist we've had on here before uh, that I think we've all enjoyed. Uh, her covering a, uh, an, quite an early Beatles song, The Word, uh, which I thought she does really rather well. Um, and then I end on uh, Ringo Starr singing I'm the Greatest, which was which I included because, I mean, I was... I think I did uh, something similar to Bill where I, I researched the, um, you know, the dog turd of history that is Ringo Starr's solo <laughs> career. And th- this is an interesting track because, so it's, for a similar reason, this, so this was a uh, John Lennon track yeah. that he threw away. I.e., He probably made it up on the spot <laughs> and uh, gave it to Ringo. He sneezed but, it out. <laughs> he sneezed it out. Yeah. But this Recording is actually the only time the uh, semi-mythical band, The Ladders, were ever recorded, which was, and it made me smile, The Ladders are all the Beatles except Paul. Oh. <laughs> so this is, and this is the only time they actually uh, they, they actually recorded anything. Sounds like Tim's favourite band. Yeah, yeah. So it's, hold on. I, I did, Sounds I did, perfect. I did look it up. Uh, the it's yeah, it's Klaus Vormann is playing bass, who I think mm. played bass with um with uh, with, with with Lennon for, for a while. Um so yes, yeah, so it's Klaus Vormann and then the the three Beatles and they call themselves the Ladders. And so that's even though you could you couldn't tell, I mean it's it's a fairly ridiculous song. But just to have Ringo Starr shouting I'm the greatest, I think that probably made John Lennon smile. So you probably enjoyed enjoyed writing that for him. What did you think? Um, I did like it. I did, mm. but I think I think sometimes you you did have what is becoming your trademark tenuous links. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I was yeah, fighting yeah. for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, like I couldn't even find the Run DMC one, but it must have just been hidden hidden in of of the word Beetle. Oh, I did have the lyrics up. Hold on, I'll I'll look that up. Yeah, have a quick look because I had to scan through them. I just couldn't see them. That was the only one that I couldn't see. Yeah, here we go. So in the the um, the penultimate verse, okay. every jam we play, we break two needles. There's three of us, but we're not the Beatles. Right. Okay. I'll just work through it. I, yeah, the Beatles. I totally agree. It's like the quintessential form of the best Beatles song ever. Where. Uh, you've got a few lyrics, an awesome rhythm section, and just this punk garage band who are just riffing away. It's great. It's fun. Uh, the Manix is fine. Does the job. Uh, references Lennon as well in the in oh, the lyrics. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Billy Preston. It sounds like Ladies Night. Oh, what yeah. a night. It, it really <laughs> does. Um, it's just, oh, he did the piano solo. He's the only guy who got another credit for in a, in a Beatles song. So all the Beatles songs are all credited as, you know, Harrison, Lennon, McCartney and whatnot. And he's the only guy ever to get another credit because of that. The, right. Apparently so, yeah. He got uh, the piano solo on Get Back. Because it was so good, they gave him the credit. That day tripper, that Hendrix, the band, 
are just playing this awesome cover, and he's just like, Dave Tripper, baby. <laughs> Whoa, look at that. Go. <laughs> and he's just riffing away. He's he's in a different band. His brain is in a different place, playing something totally different. Dave Tripper, baby. Yeah. And honestly, it's so good. I love it. Lemonheads, just chuck it in the bin, shite. Live and oh. Let Die, we've already talked about it. I like the Regina Spectre. That works. I like her stuff anyway, though. She's good. Yeah, she's good. Uh, and actually, the 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 tracks that you've... The, the other track that you got from that album, the um, Bailey Ray track, that's really nice as well. Same album, isn't it? Same, yeah. same collection. Yeah, the it was John a charity Lennon, album, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. The John Lennon track, I understand the sentiment. The use of the word isn't isn't right but i understand the sentiment i see what he's doing especially in 1972 and everybody thought he was cool and all of a sudden he's it's it's on the that out that song titles on the album cover isn't it it's like a, a newspaper yeah, spreadsheet yeah that's right um and so and obviously using the power of the word i get it but i still it's got a deeply issue. Uncool word it's a deeply uncool word um, but that sax player, I I tried to find out about the sax player. I've forgotten his name uh, right now, but I thought oh, who who is? I thought he got Bowie into play. Right, it was, yeah. just, it was just this guy who's got his own album. He's got a credit for this and some other stuff. But apparently, he played for Bowie. He played for everybody in the seventies, yeah. and he was just regarded as being this shit hot sax player. But he, I can't find any credits for anything else he's done. He's just just rolled up and played monkeys. That bass part is fucking good, though, isn't it? I'm it getting into better. the monkeys. Yeah, I'm the, getting into the monkeys. The, the good monkeys stuff is good. Yeah, but there's about four tracks, so it's that's, hard. that's the problem. It's a yeah. big, it's a big mission. George Harrison covering Bob, awesome guitar playing, but he's got some strange timing which kind of unsettles me because it's it feels like it's his own, but then he forgets where he is in the song, so he just <laughs> he he plucks away, and then he's got oh I'm at this bit now, then he carries on. Um, but it's a lovely performance. Uh, the Breeders, I forgot all about The Breeders. That was good. I enjoyed that. The Life in a Northern Town, I just kept on thinking Dario G, Sunshine, because that's what where the oh, sample comes yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, Fever Bridges, she's just fucking brilliant. And she's the, one of the most beautiful women in the world. It's brilliant. Um, Balladron Boy, that's the start of the rock for Balladron Boy for me. So it just mm. kind of, it's just a 10 minute cover of Eleanor Rigby, always going to be fun. Um, Regina Spect, you know, uh, the song like Regina Spectre, I'm Losing You was really nice, but she's got a lovely voice anyway, and she's a um, Bailey Ray. Uh, Sarah Vaughan's good. Um, Better Lavette is just fucking brilliant. It's slick as fuck. Whoever's arranged that just needs a million yeah, gold good. medals. And then Ringo Starr. The, the person that nobody ever tr- trusts with any music ever, so they always get the best mates. Um, I quite enjoyed it. It's charming. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoyed it. Tim, what about you? Um, yeah, I enjoyed this one. I thought there were a lot of um, cheeky choices, you know, very tenuous, just mentioning the Beatles. You know, that's fair enough. Do you know what, i tell you what, Tim, do you know what my first thought was when I was going to do this list? And I, I started doing it. I was going to spell out the Beatles. <laughs> so th- this, this this was my play. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been clever. Yeah, the the Beatles track, first of all, sort of like every, everyone's got something to hide except me and my monkey. So apparently that's all... You, you know, Lenin's lifted it from their tantric yoga teacher, haven't they? 
Yeah, he's yogi. So it's all his sort of stuff. But he was sort of like he he was talking about it, wasn't he? I had a look on uh, in Cartopedia, mm. and um, he he said it was basically at the time when he just started going out with Yoko Ono, and everybody was a bit like, "Ooh, who's this?" strange Japanese woman sitting in the corner of the room. She's a bit freaky. Mm. So it was all kind of about that. But then McCartney's getting interviewed, saying, yeah, John Lennon, monkey, it's all about heroin, because that's what that's what people call uh, heroin. And I'm thinking, McCartney, you shit stare you bastard. <laughs> you know, he's there trying to stick the knife in. You know, just let it go, mate. Let it go. Um, but that's, you know, typical, isn't it? It's typical that it's everybody, McCartney. all his best mates, formed a band called The Ladders without him. <laughs> Yeah, what kind of shitbag do you have to be that all your mates ran away? We're, <laughs> yeah. we're, spl- we're splitting up. Oh, all right, see you later, Paul. Went round the back and said, right, shall we have another yeah. day? <laughs> Terrible. And I remember, I've, I've talked about it. I don't know if I've talked about it before, but on um, Apple TV Plus, there's a documentary called 1971. And there's a lot of behind the scenes footage of um, John Lennon in there because they follow him and talk to him about that. And it's just, it's just sort of like after the Beatles have split up. Obviously, it's it's not nineteen seventy one, but it's early on, and he's he's basically sat around his table. There's Ringo and George Harrison, and they're all slagging off Paul McCartney. <laughs> you know, you're thinking, God, what shit! Now, also, you've got to remember with with this secret band, the biggest insult is that they've dropped the bass player. Told to go, well, they haven't said it. They've just gone knit round the back, say, fellas, let's do this. Yeah. Even kept Ringo. Yeah. They kept yeah. Ringo. They said, no, they could have sorted out their own band, got a better drummer, got a, mm. got a million and one better bass players because we found them all in the in our playlist. Nah, fuck you. We're keeping Ringo. That's how much fuck you. Yeah. We're even going to give Ringo the vocal. Yeah. <laughs> that's how much fuck you. Yeah. Mannix, yeah, okay. Nice sample. Talks about the Beatles. That's fine. You are right. First three albums mm-hmm. are good. You do listen to those first couple of albums and think, how did they end up so shit? Mm. Um, money. 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 They're, they're provocative. They're, there's, there's, yeah. a, there's a level in it where... It, it creates discussion. It creates it. Essentially, it's saying that I've I've fucking laugh when this happened. So you can't say that. So why not? Mm. Yeah. But it, and it is provocative. But so and some people just think it's provocative for the sake of being provocative. And sometimes I edge on that. It's like maybe it was just there just to piss people off. It wasn't there to create any discussion. Yeah. I, I also like that the amount of lyrics that you know. Um, James Dean Bradfield's having to, having to sing, and I just imagine they're sat round, and he's saying, "Can I not just shorten this line?" And Nicky Wire and and uh, Richie are just there going, "No, <laughs> sing it all." And you know, and all the songs are like that. Like he has to get through so many lyrics so mm. quickly um, that I think that that adds to that sort of sense of urgency. Yeah, that he's definitely ranting. You know, 
The uh, Jimi Hendrix, like the Billy Preston was great, and I like that. Uh, the Jimi Hendrix, though, I, I get what you say, but it sounded like a pub band, the way that it was recorded. Uh, you've got the band playing there, and then you've got the, the, the lead guitarist, who is clearly better than everybody else in the band. Doing his own thing. Um, and it, day and it trip, baby. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, day trip. <laughs> um, but it, uh, one of the things that I was going to try and do is because I, I think I think that day trip a riff. It, it's used a lot in in songs. I, I, I was thinking I was thinking of it because one of the songs that I had immediately when I was thinking of cheeky ways to do the Beatles was um, My Baby is a Head Fuck by the Wild Hearts mm. because it says that the lyrics Day Tripper underneath the riff of which then builds back into the song, sort of like, the, you know. And I thought there must be more songs like that where they have taken that riff and, and, and put it. So I was, I was going to get a whole song, a whole playlist built around mm. one song. In, in day tripper, uh, but I didn't. it was um, <laughs> too, too, too much like hard work. Yeah, so I just got songs like "Live and Let Die," which is a better <laughs> cover of a Paul McCartney song. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I put down the Regina Spectre was lovely. It was really, really nice. But I have put strong John Lewis vibes. It's mm. got that kind of. John Lewis Christmas advert, sort of. Mm. Let's get a cover of a. Oh, true, actually. In fact, that you might have actually been one. A rocky kind of song, and then we'll, you know, strip it right just down. Strip it right down. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, so, it kind of put me off a little bit, but it was a really good, like you say. You know, she just sung it. Um, the John Lennon thing, it, you know. Yeah, it's controversial, but I think the the sad thing about it have things changed that much since he wrote that song? I think it's gone backwards anyway. It's it seems like it's gone that way in the last couple of years, definitely. And and I think you know maybe things haven't changed too much since the seventies. Yeah, no, uh, obviously they have in some ways, you know, but fundamentally, you know, this. There's still a load of shitty men on the planet, aren't they? And you know, yeah, the Randy Scouse get. I, I was like, are they talking about Lennon in this song? Is he the Randy Scouse get? Uh, no, um, I think it's uh, Alf Garnet. Oh, right, Scouse okay. Get in the song, um, the the Beatles references they reference um, the four kings of EMI. Yeah, I so, saw it, that. It's this party. They, they, they went to a party. Right. Apparently. Yeah. Um, the the, the Beatles sense. hosted a party. I think it was mm. at EMI, actually, the party. Yeah. The like George Harrison. Cool. The George Harrison is lovely. It's such a nice, nice cover, that. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, the Breeders, again, you know, really good cover. And the Dream Academy, I put a blast from the past, you know, right? Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. And and I thought that was quite nice. And I put Phoebe Bridger, this is good, no Paul. But I always felt like he was going to just pop up at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
who's going to start I didn't I, I, I saw it was from a Paul McCartney album and I was like thinking well where is he you know um, but thankfully he didn't pop up so that was okay but um, it's, it's scary to listen to though isn't it because you think he might pop up at any second and it's like a, it, it's like a horror film you're sort yeah. of like anticipating <laughs> that sort of that scare and that and it, and it doesn't come but that yeah kind of is worse than the actual sort of like than the goal um so it was a bit like that uh badly drawn boy i think that is one of his better later songs corinne belly ray was nice uh so was the bailey bet um i think i think without a doubt the run dmc was my favorite track purely i think because it was just so different to everything else yeah that had been presented. Um, and I've talked about um, what an embarrassing, an embarrassment Ringo is, especially when he calls himself the greatest. And that's why I thought John Lennon was taking the piss out of him. I think he is. He is, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And he's just too stupid to realise. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I am the greatest. It's like, no, do you not remember... John said you weren't, you know, you weren't even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, the Golden Shuffle uh, is next on the agenda, is it not? Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, Tim, why don't you go first? There were, there were lots of choices. Um, for me, yeah, I really enjoyed... Um, the Count Basie, the Ravi Shankar, uh, the Lady Madonna off Bill's list, and the John Lennon. Like I, like I say, he's not even trying, and it's it's it, it's a great song. Um, but I think the one for me that stood out the most because it was just so different from everything else uh, was the. Run DMC. I loved it. So I'm putting that on. Very good. Uh Bill. Yeah, I uh, I think for me there's Hendrix, uh Better Lavette, maybe I'm amazed. Band on the run, the Richard Havens is good, isn't it? And the uh who did the end of the rigby on yours, Tim? Who did that? Airy Pockets. Airy Pockets. That's hard because you've got you got such differences and such similarities between each version and so on. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Richie Havens. It's a big one. It's mm. a big one. Um, I had that one as well on my list. I had the the Carleen Anderson as well. Um, obviously the Paragons. There's no other time we're gonna get Saxon on. <laughs> so Saxons are possible. <laughs> Um, a part of me feels that putting B Talica on would be quite fun, despite what I said earlier. Um, I've got quite a few from Bills as well, like like the Dwayne Eddy. You know, I, we're not going to get a chance to put Dwayne Eddy on again, probably. In fact, I decided before recording that I was going to put the George Harrison on because I thought that was an absolute banger. Um. And then you've both said you weren't that keen on it, which is a bit of a weird one. Because I thought it would just be like, yeah, well, that's that's just a pop pop classic. 
So I don't think I can do that now. So I think let's put the traveling Wilburys on end of the line. Nice. Nice. And that, like I said, that was total last minute. Well, the universe told you to put that on, you see. That's what swayed it. Because now yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. well, do I know better than the universe? Yeah, yeah. It was literally yeah. an 11th hour <laughs> situation of, oh, mm. shit, I forgot about the Wilburys. Cool. Right. It's time to pick our next topic by spinning the Steelers' Wheel of Fortune is fully loaded with all manner of different potential topics suggested by ourselves and the listeners. Bill, have you got the wheel ready? Of course. Let's spin the wheel. Okay, it's going. It's going. Uh, uh, sidebar, um, I'm going to make some music for this. I'm going to do it for that. I was going to say, I was going to say like, oh, we, should, we need a sound effect, but I yeah, presume yeah. there will be one going on. There will be, yeah. I'm going to make it when I'm doing this edit for, for the last one. And here it is. Okay. Steelers Wheel of Fortune has landed on awesome bass lines. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Got something special to cook up. So a nice complete change. Think of something musical, completely different. None of these wishy-washy ones like the Four Seasons or anything. This is about how the music is played and how beautiful it is. Awesome bass lines. We've reached the end of our episode, and I'm sure that from all of our discussions, that the lyrical genius of Then There's This Welsh Rabbit Wearing Some Brown Underpants can always be shown that it is truly awesome. However, as the sixth Beatle Yoko Ono once said, we're all water from different rivers. That's why it's so easy to meet. We're all water in this vast, vast ocean. Someday, we'll evaporate all together. And most importantly, Everyone's favourite Beatle, Ringo, said, Let's make the 7th of July every year peace and love day. And I believe we should do it. If you've enjoyed anything that you've heard in our playlist, want to share your thoughts on playlisting, or have any suggestions for future themes you'd like us to curate, please email us at nostairwaypodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us on at no underscore stairway, find us on Facebook or Instagram, or leave a comment at our website, nostairwaypodcast.com. We're middle-aged men. We've made some mixtapes. We hope you like them. Thank you. Bye. Oh, Tim's gone. Has Tim gone for you, Carl? Yes, he's disappeared. He's disappeared. But presumably he's, he's been gone Maybe. a while. Maybe he's been... Yeah, yeah. Shit. Your, uh, your globe behind you, is that a... Uh... A drinks. It's for drinks, yeah. Fantastic, yeah, that's brilliant.